Hola y bienvenidos a otro episodio de Laps Gamer Radio. Soy tu humilde anfitrión Mark Hamer y uniéndome hoy para este íntimo un uno a uno es el maestro paredero y conocedor del whisky Stuart Neal. Buenas noches, Stuart. ¿Qué? Hello and welcome to another episode of Labs Game Radio. I'm your humble host, Mark Hamer, and joining me today for this intimate one-on-one is Master Baker and Whiskey Connoisseur Stuart Neal. Good evening, Stuart. <laughs> Good evening. <laughs> so it's going to be a bit of a quiet one this week, as the majority of the LGR team are hibernating to escape the unrelenting heat of the British summer. Yes. Um, so we're just going to natter about what games we've been playing, talk about some news in the world of video games, because you know there's no shortage of controversy to talk about. <laughs> None at all, no. No. So, Stu, yes. what have you been playing recently? Okay, uh, let's see, we'll start at the start of the month. Um, at the end of June, uh, I got quite surprised by the fact that one of our friends over on the Codec Moments podcast basically commented on Twitter that it is the last day of, the, uh, the last day of June, and that's Stuart's favourite day of the year. Basically, the game development team behind the last day of June got in contact with me and gave me a free copy of the game. Which Ooh. was very, very nice of them. Now, there is a little bit more background to it. It wasn't just that, out of the kindness of their heart, I was mentioned <laughs> on Twitter yeah. um, just that one day. Throughout December last year, uh, Codec Moments had been running a daily pick quiz. And I had managed to get every single picture back to referencing the last day of June throughout basically all 31 days and as far as I know the development team were well aware of this. So yes, they very nicely um, gave me a free copy of it which was just wonderful of them. Um, so over there I started the install it that night and then proceeded to play it and complete it over the next what two or three nights and what a wonderful game it is. It's a 3D um, sort of third person environment. The best way of describing the sort of story is it's somewhere like a mix of Groundhog Day, Source Code, and um, probably a couple of other different time traveling games and things. Um, basically, a tragedy happens um, in the life of the character that you play, and you try and undo uh, what happened by doing things differently um, and to a degree there's even like a little bit of quantum leap into it as well because you get to play as different characters um, in the whole scenario to try and change the things that they did that then had a an effect on what did happen um, mm. it's just such a wonderful little game uh, the music's lovely the graphics um the graphical style is just beautiful to sit and watch and play it's absolutely fantastic i thoroughly enjoyed it um took me maybe four or five hours for um 100 completion while that doesn't necessarily seem overly long it's one of those games that i will very likely go back to probably next year on the last day of june and uh, mm. just to replay it again, it's one of those games that kind of stays with you and is enjoyable enough for replay, even knowing what then happens in, at the end of the game. Yeah, just looking at the looking at the um, screenshots now, like the it's very beautiful, like the kind of almost Tim Burton esque. Yeah, it has. Design. There's 
Yeah, there's definitely sort of the, an influence of that, um, particularly sort of Coraline. There's definitely a, a bit of an influence to it there. And it's the graphical detail of the um, just the world that you're in for the simple fact that although it's obviously a self-contained sort of area and what have you that you're in, if you go through the edges of those area, they've filled in an awful lot of the background and um, sort of things going off into the horizon and what have you as well with such mm. loving detail. Uh, that it all looks as good as anything that you're walking or the rest of the environment that you're walking around. Absolutely stunning game. Um, highly recommend it. And it is available on nearly all platforms, as far as more. Other games that I've been playing then, I had a very quick go at New Star Soccer Manager, uh, which is the new game from the new developers of New Star Soccer. Um, it's currently out on iOS and it will be coming later in the summer as far as I know to Android. It is more of a managerial game compared to say New Star Soccer which is basically you taking on the role of a player and sort of making the decisions for that one player. This one involves sort of setting up a camp, your training field, your scouts um, and also then getting to play little scenarios as part of the game as well. From the small amount that I did play of it, it's thoroughly enjoyable. It enhances what was there with New Star Soccer. Um, but for me, I always find the match bits of New Star Soccer very, very difficult. Um, particularly in sort of the, the higher difficulty or the sort of the higher leagues that you went into. Kind of struggled um, to sort of get the results and things that the rest of the team and my manager, etc. were expecting of me. Um, so yeah, for people who like it and for people who are good at it, it's definitely worth having a look at, and uh, I will be thoroughly enjoyed by a lot of people. Um, but for me, just not for me at all. Yeah, I've um, I've downloaded it. I played a couple of minutes of it, and I didn't like the new. I I would have been really happy if they had kept the um, the way that New Star Stock the, the, the way the in game elements yeah. played the same as they had in New Star Soccer because I played a lot of New Star Soccer, um, <clears throat> and it is quite frustrating. But after a while, you get the hang of it. Mm-hmm. And so I'd got used to that system and now they've kind of changed it a bit and added in some new elements and it, uh, it's, it's not, I'm not saying it's worse. It's just, I've got to get used to it. And mm-hmm. at the moment I'm just like, Oh, it's all different. Oh. <laughs> um, so I haven't really played more than a few minutes of that so far, but it, it is on, I've got it on my phone and I'm on my tablet and I, mm-hmm. I will give it a try because I, I absolutely loved new star soccer. It was such a, such a fun little game, uh, even outside like the match engine stuff, like the, the kind of funny remember where like it would flash up there'd be like a grid of football cliches like yeah the game interview stages hearts, yeah end of the day blah 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 and it would like flash up random ones and you had to remember the sequence to get it right and yeah. um just really dumb things <laughs> like that your teammates want you go out to the casino so you can either go out to the casino and please your teammates or not please your manager but then you go out to the casino and end up injuring yourself and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> lots of really weird stuff that game was great yeah, it is a, an excellent little game. As I said, New Star Soccer uh, Manager adds an awful lot to it, but for me, it loses a little bit of it, um, just because it becomes more of sort of an overarching um, managerial role thing, and mm. uh, there's an awful lot more little sort of fiddly bits and what have you um, yeah. that I just didn't get on with. And again, I'm not very good at the football part of uh, the game uh, <laughs> as well, which doesn't help. Let's see, I've... Oh, well, just on a football theme then, I had a quick go at Super Arcade Football uh, the other day. It has been updated um, quite a bit since its release sometime last year, possibly even the year before. Not sure if it's still technically sitting in early access, but the development team behind it are 
you know, um, very, very good at um, adding new bits and pieces into it. Um, as far as I know, they're actually currently working on the VAR technology, or at least sort of a little bit of it, uh, <laughs> to put it into the game just to keep it current. Uh, they've improved the graphics an awful lot. The handling is a little bit better. There's more modes and things. They have made huge improvements um, in the game itself, and it is playing very, very nicely. Mm. I did, however, struggle to get an online game um, just against a random pick. Kind of sat for maybe four or five minutes, and um, it was sort of the last game that I was playing just before heading to bed, so I wasn't going to sit around for it to finally connect. Um, But there didn't seem to be too many other people on uh, the server, if any at all, uh, which is a wee bit disappointing, particularly in such obviously a football-focused summer. Well, I guess everyone was playing the World Cup mode on FIFA, weren't they? (laughs) Probably, yes. (laughs) Another little mobile game then. I had a quick go at the... Dead Island, I've just got it written down here, is Dead Island Clicky Mobile Game, <laughs> which is some sort of new survival-y game that's currently on iOS, possibly Android. Yeah, it was okay, but it's nothing special and it got uninstalled. It just felt as if it was going to push far too quickly uh, for in-app purchases and things, because you open up like briefcases that sort of wash up on the shore and what have you. Uh, to get sort of special items and things that you can then use, and it just felt as if it was going to push very, very hard. Uh, for the in-app purchases on that. I think there was maybe one or two ads popped up quite quickly as well, and just thought, no, not worth my time. Uh, might appeal to people who are who like the franchise and what have you, but not for me. Let's see, what else then? Uh, one game that I've completed is Nex Machina. Completed, completed? or Well, I ran through the arcade mode, <laughs> so I did. On Rookie, um, within, yeah. yeah, even that took me about, what, two and a half hours or so to actually get through the whole arcade mode. Even on Rookie, which is basically infinite lives, although you do lose all your power-ups and what have you, if they, you have to use a continue. Um, but yeah, it's thoroughly enjoyable. Um, we've talked about it last time. It's excellent. Uh, well worth your time and uh, yeah. digging into if you're into that sort of thing. I I have real problems getting through the entire of arcade mode in one run because mm. I would just get really, really caught up on score chasing mm-hmm. like uh trying to beat friends scores on like first <laughs> level just playing the first level over and over and over again um making sure that i could get through the whole one without dying once keep that multiplier going then go into the second world and keep going and then as soon as i died i just be like right start the whole thing again <laughs> so i've only run through the whole thing once or twice uh, but it is, oh, it's, it's, yeah, we need to talk about it at length at some point because it is a masterpiece. Yeah, it really is. It's, it is the perfect distillation of what were, you know, sort of the brilliant arcade shooters of the day that you used to just play on summer holidays and things. <laughs> Whenever mm. you actually got to like a beach resort with a proper arcade in it. Yeah. And it takes, you know, so much inspiration and everything from all of those, but adds so much more to it as well. And yeah, an absolutely stunning game. Yeah, like we, like we said last time, it was it was done in collaboration with um, Eugene Jarvis, who's kind of like a a giant of that genre, and um, uh, it's it's they are the best at this sort of thing, and it's the best game they ever made, and they won't make anything better because they decided to completely abandon that um, <laughs> that genre of game, unfortunately, because mm-hmm. they just don't nobody they don't make a lot of money anymore. There's a market out there for them, but it's limited and not necessarily worth the financial input into it. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's very niche. Yep, market. 
Okay, another game that I've completed then is called Dark Echo. Uh, now, this is a small indie game and it is very, very clever. Um, basically, the whole premise of the game works on sound and sort of the way of finding your way around uh, each of the levels is by the noise that your footsteps make and then echoing off the walls and things. Um, mm. Also, you've got the possibility of clapping. And to get sort of a larger sort of sound field going out around you to find out where the edges of the walls and things are. Yeah. And throwing stones and what have you. It's such a stunning little game. Uh, so many people will not be aware of this, but it is thoroughly enjoyable and just very, very clever. It's not something that I've really seen before. Definitely worth your time having a look at. Uh, really, what, there's what, 40 levels um, in the... Uh, sort of the main part of the game and then I think there's an extra 40 bonus levels after mm. that and each of them has its own perils there's little sort of enemies um, that focus on sound and will try and track you down based on the sound so you have to you sort of quietly creep around them or use stones and things to try and distract them mm. uh, away from the areas that you want to try and get to really enjoyable spent maybe four hours possibly longer um, getting through those first 40 levels and um, that has been since sort of last year um, I only recently picked it up again this year just to try and get it off my pile and uh, yeah <laughs> really enjoyed it a couple of other quick ones then I pulled out a couple of games from the GameCube archive the other day and I played All Star Baseball 2003, uh, which is a, an American import, and it is very, very dull. <laughs> mm. If it's not Mario Superstar Baseball on the GameCube, it's just not worth your time or effort. Uh, there was a very good one in um, Super Monkey Ball Deluxe. Oh well, yes, that's yeah, so true. A very good yeah. baseball game in that. Yeah, um, but again, that's more mini game as opposed to yeah, direct yeah. focus off, but. Yeah, um, All Star. It's okay, but and well, the graphics and everything look okay, but it's it's baseball. Baseball is a not very exciting game from my perspective, and yes. I'm not a sports. I'm not a sports fan in general. No, uh, give me something like a, you know, a quick soccer game or even an occasional uh, sort of American football game. Um, things like NFL Street um, mm. are definitely more my taste. Because uh, they're a lot quicker and easier to get into. The other game that I pulled out then was Tales of Symphonia, um, the uh, classic RPG that, yeah. for whatever reason, I have had for a while but never really got round to. I think I picked it up possibly about the same time that I picked up um, Bat and Kytos. And I got into that an awful lot more than I got into Tales of Symphonia. But I spent about an hour or so playing uh, Symphonia and thoroughly enjoyed it. So that's one I'll be going back Have to. Have you played any of the other Tales games? I haven't, no. Symphonia is uh, the only one that I've played. One of the best. Mm. Right, it's one of the best. I've, I've, out of the ones that I've played, there's a whole grip of them. But I played uh, Tales of Symphonia, Tales of the Abyss. Uh, I didn't play the original PS2 version. I played that on the 3DS. Mm-hmm. Um, I found a copy of that in Staples, of all places. Um, <laughs> uh, Tales of Zillia or Exilia, uh, mm-hmm. and then I played the um, the demo for the latest one, Tales of Berseria. Yeah, they're all very good, but mm-hmm. Tales of Symphonia, the ones I've played, is probably the best. Mm-hmm. So you picked a good one to start with. Yeah, um, I quite enjoyed the battle system in that it's 
basically a live action fight as opposed to it being turn-based, um, which is a nice change uh, compared to obviously the sort of standard uh, JRPG format. One other game that I played, um, but we'll probably get to talking about an awful lot more later on, is a game called Hero Sage. Um, the only reason that I played this is that it recently came up that the developer has some, let me say, objectionable <laughs> opinions. Um, mm. But we'll get to those later on. Okay, I've got a few games that were played since we last talked. So I've actually finished some games, which is um, unusual for me these days. Finished Vampire. Did a video on that recently with Matt from Codec Moments. So if you head over to the YouTube channel, then you can check that out. Uh, but at that point, I was still quite early on into the game. And then I ended up powering through it, uh, the rest of it, in the space of about a week. It's very good and very bad in equal measures. Gameplay is... Uh, the combat is uh, It's not great. It's like a poor man's Soulsborne-style combat. Mm. Um, it hasn't got any weight to it at all there's not a huge amount of feedback you've got um in, uh, finite stamina but your enemies don't mm -hmm. it seems the traversing the world although 1918 nighttime london in the midst of spanish flu plague is quite an interesting area to explore it um the map's not particularly well designed and it's very easy to get lost and very mm -hmm. easy to like struggle to find your way to your checkpoints and your mission starters so all of the gameplay around the meat of the game which is the dialogue for me um all of that was kind of disappointing but the 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 dialogue um the storytelling and especially the voice acting is so good I mean, mm. you can you can tell that this is the area where um don't nod have begun to flourish since they did life is strange they their ability to handle players uh characters conversing with each other and the direction of the voice acting is is really really good the story's fantastic it would make a very very good guillermo del toro vampire film the story <laughs> Um, it, has, it does some interesting things with like established vampire lore and has some uh, some quite difficult moral conundrums as well i won't say anything for fear of spoilers mm. but pick it up when it's cheap uh, it's not that long there is an exploit in it to get infinite xp if you don't want to bother like, grinding <laughs> and you just want to experience the story there is a uh, an exploit for that that you can find on the internet but the story is really really good uh, mm. it's one of the more gripping stories that i've come across in a in a in a non-indie video game, it's not AAA, it's definitely a double-A game, but it's not an indie game either. You know, it was made by a, t a largest team, yeah. a studio, uh, and it's the uh, the first game like that that's, that's gripped me in a while. Mm. So, um, yeah, it was very good. Mm. Next one I finished was God of War or God of Dad or Dad of War or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Again, very, very good game that has... Like, they've managed to take the established God of War franchise and make it grow up and become more mature very very quickly it's definitely owes a lot to um as a lot of sony studios i think do uh naughty dog um, yeah like they obviously they looked at what naughty dog did with the last of us and uncharted 4 and were like we could probably do that with god of war and they have and transposing kratos into the world of norse mythology it was a stroke of genius because 
was I was getting really tired of beating up on the Greek gods. Uh, the Greek pantheon and Greek mythology is very interesting and all, mm-hmm. but Norse mythology is kind of a little bit because it's less well known. I think um, I found it far more interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, off the back of it, I ended up getting Neil Gaiman's uh, book on uh, Norse mythology. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, you um, uh, you have a you you spend most of the game accompanied by a character called Mermir, who is an old advisor of odin mm. uh, and he tells you when you're traveling around the open world on the boat he will recount stories of the gods and their their fights and everything because when you come into this world a lot of stuff's happened and it's kind of a mess <laughs> and he recounts <laughs> the stories of what's happened before and um yeah i mean uh the, the, it's one of the best looking games on on ps4 mm. uh, the combat's fantastic exploration is excellent it's, it's a great game but in terms of um, like lore and world building and storytelling, um, they really, really jumped, jumped, uh, jumped up a notch. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a fantastic game. I, I, I say I finished it. I finished the main story. There's still a bunch of side content to do. There's Valkyries to fight and dragons to hunt and whatnot. And yeah, it's good. The Last Guardian was the next one I finished. Mm-hmm. I uh, picked this one back up. I picked this one up a while ago when it was on sale. Played through the first few hours, and for whatever reason. Uh, stepped away, got distracted by something else, and never went back to it. Ended up playing through the whole thing this time from start to finish in two sittings oh, wow. of about five hours each. <laughs> you can apparently complete the game in five hours or less. Mm-hmm. There's a trophy for doing it. Uh, the Last Guardian's definitely a uh, Fumito Ueda game. If you've played Eco or Shadow of the Colossus, you mm-hmm. know what you're in for. Uh, the controls are awkward. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are sometimes downright frustrating. I shouted at my tv a couple of times <laughs> but in the end you're gonna get a story and a gameplay experience which is kind of unlike anything else and it will punch you really hard in the feels mm-hmm. on more than one occasion uh and i had no idea how this game would have ever worked uh, as previously planned on i think it might have been ps2 where they first planned it and then possibly it definitely yeah, I think it was. and it wouldn't have worked on ps3 either uh, graphically some of the textures definitely look last gen um mm-hmm. times it can look incredibly ugly and times it can look incredibly beautiful but in terms of the ai for trico the mm-hmm. cat bird dog thing never had never seen a companion in a game act like this it, it is it's like having a pet he's cute and frustrating uh, <laughs> and you have to train him and you form this bond with him mm-hmm. and I, uh, it's it's an absolutely wonderful game, the same as as uh, Eco and and Shadow of the Colossus were. If you've if you got the you know the stomach to take a, a some upset, shall we say, yeah. and you don't mind getting frustrated with some really awkward gameplay, uh, then check that out. Um, one of the main problems I had with it is the fact that the the in in getting the animation of the character you play as spot on for how you know a child runs around yeah they're not you know they're not they're, they're pretty clumsy kids mm. are clumsy um he carries a lot of momentum which is awkward for gameplay but looks mm. realistic and so that led to a lot of frustration and um jumping up and down desperately trying to get trigo to do what i wanted him to do <laughs> um but you know if you've ever had a pet that's what it's like yeah the last guardian is, is amazing 
Onrush. Did I talk about Onrush last time? You did. Has anything changed? And also, has the recent discount actually brought any more people to the servers? Um, I don't know. Uh, I never had, never struggled to get into a game oh, okay. on Onrush. It's, it doesn't matter what time I jump on, day or night. And I put it on almost every day just for a, you know, a quick blast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never struggled to get into a game. I hope that more people are playing it. I, I hope as many people as possible play it because it's it's fantastic. It's uh, one of the freshest things to happen uh, to a racing game in, in a long time because it's not really a racing game. It's like it's like a, a like an Overwatch style shooter but with mm-hmm. cars. Yeah, it's fantastic. No, nothing's changed apart from a few quality of life changes. The time respawn time when you get destroyed is being cut down, um, so you're not spending quite so much time. It's not quite so frustrating when you get knocked out by another player, mm-hmm. or you crash into a tree of your own volition, as happens to me quite often. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Really, really good. Danger Zone Two. This is uh, this is one's only been out for a few days as of uh, this recording, as far as I'm aware. Uh, mm-hmm. So Three Fields Entertainment, who are made up of remnants of Criterion, the people who used to make Burnout back when Burnout was a thing. They have um, they've made a couple of games already. They made Dangerous Golf, which was basically the crash mode from Burnout, but inside with a golf ball, and you had to smash things. And it was kind of fun, but not very good. Um, then they made Danger Zone, which was uh, the actual crash mode from the old Burnout games, but it was like in a warehouse and it was a simulator and it just felt a bit empty and lifeless. Yeah. Uh, Danger Zone 2 is basically the same thing, um, but actually like the old crash modes used to be in Burnout, out on real roads. Uh, this time they're set in all around, all around the world. Um including sections of the m6 <laughs> yeah it's it's your classic crash modes like if you ever play the old crash modes in in burnouts where it's sort of like you start and you have a junction that you need to get to and the traffic will always move in exactly the same way there'll be the same cars that will spawn and move in the same way it's like a set puzzle and you have mm-hmm. to work out the optimum route through where to crash where to hit your crash breaker where to move to next because you can keep exploding and bouncing around um it's it's like a it's a giant explosive massive pile-up puzzle game and it's really good (laughs) it's not the sharpest looking game it doesn't look as nice as the burnout games used to be but you know it's a three fields entertainment's like half a dozen people as far as i'm aware Mm, so um good job with that they've also got another game coming out later this year which is like the other half of a burnout game um the more traditional racing style stuff can't remember what that's called but um yeah i'm gonna keep an eye out for that the last game i've been playing is bomber crew which is a, a game from uh, runner duck and published by curb digital it's kind of like if you took XCOM and crossed it with ftl and set it <laughs> in a world war ii you know flying fortress bomber Mm-hmm. It doesn't have the turn-based elements of a uh, of an XCOM, but mm-hmm. it's basically a similar sort of thing. So you have a crew, you ha- you hire a crew, and you have a bomber, and you go out on missions. And each of your crew members is responsible for different parts of the plane. So you've got a pilot, you've got your radio guy, you've got the navigator, you've got gunners, uh, and you've got an engineer. Um, and there are always more stations than you have crew yeah um so your crew members will have to learn secondary skills to be able to carry other things and also if one of your if your pilot gets taken out you need to have someone else who knows how to fly a plane yeah and it's basically you select each of the crew members and get them to control different parts of the plane you get the pilot to take off and fly to the the, the objectives most of them are involving the same sort of thing like your 
bombing doing a bombing run or taking reconnaissance photos or dropping supplies on a stranded spitfire pilot in the english channel uh, all the while um, dealing with uh, enemy fighters uh, and other sorts of um in, uh, you know uh, environmental problems um if you uh, are getting struggling with fighters you can fly to a high altitude to avoid them but then at that altitude your crew are going to struggle for oxygen it's also going to be very cold if they don't have the right equipment uh, bits on your plane will go wrong uh, it's not unusual for you to be in the middle of a dogfight and have an engineer hanging onto the wing of the plane trying to stop a <laughs> fire on one of the engines um the whole thing was presented in this really really cutesy uh, polygonal graphic style mm. in between the missions you recruit new crew members if you lost any train up the ones that you've got get new equipment for them upgrade the bits on your plane and then go out on, uh, on new missions i'm not very far into it i understand it gets very very difficult later on uh, mm -hmm. At the moment, it's not been too bad. I haven't lost any crew members yet. I had one. I had to resuscitate one in the middle of a of a landing uh, maneuver <laughs> at one point to stop him from dying. But yeah, it's it's a really really interesting little game, and it's mm -hmm. it's it's like when you're out on the missions and you're trying to pull off a bombing run and also dealing with you know five ten um, Luftwaffe pilots coming after you, and one of them's an ace, and your plane's getting shot to hell, and you're going to have to send your navigator to the first aid bay because he's taken a lot of damage and your, your gunners are desperately trying to deal with things and your engineers putting out fires and trying to fix things. And then when you manage to pull it off and you fly back and you get away from the pilots and it's just like this moment of just calm mm -hmm. and you get a few minutes to just relax, sort everything out and just wait for your landing. <laughs> and it's it's uh, it's the 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 dichotomy between like the the stress of the missions and then the the like the uh, the rela the relaxation of actually getting through one and getting all of your crew home. Mm -hmm. I've I've got a real bond with my crew. I know I'm going to lose some of them at some point, <laughs> but like in a way uh, that I haven't had since an XCOM game. Like if I lose one of them, um, I'm going to cry a bit. I think. <laughs> Yeah, no, Bomber it, Crew is fantastic. It's been out on PC for a while, I think. It right? has been. I saw it at EGX. I'm nearly sure it was about two years ago. Um, yeah. So I think it's been out on PC for about a year. Hmm. Um, but it's only just recently then come out on console. So it's bought PS4, Xbox One and Switch. PS4, Xbox One and Switch. It's already... Uh, the base version of the game is already in the Game Pass. So if you've got Game Pass on Xbox, then download it and play it. Mm -hmm. Just turn this podcast off. Go and do it now. Um <laughs> On PlayStation at the moment, at least at the point of recording, like the the full version of the game with the DLC is fifteen pounds, and I think the full version, if you want to buy to own the full version with the DLC on Xbox, is about fifteen pounds, and I think mm. it's about the same on Switch as, as well. Yeah. Like whatever, right? It's less than twenty quid, and it's amazing. Mm. Like I've, this is a game that I never thought I wanted, and now like I can't stop thinking about playing it. This one was, um, I saw something on Twitter, um, but one of the development team, what have you, asking to get in contact with us. Um, so yeah, this one uh, was a uh, one of our little freebies, thankfully. Yes, yes, it was, yeah. But I have subsequently bought the DLC for it as well because I love it so much. <laughs> and I'm going to double dip on it and pick it up on one of the other consoles because, um, yeah, it's it's really, really good. Like, mm. it's made me think, like, why is it... You get, like, games like War Thunder and other flight simulators and games like yeah. that. And you've got, like, a Star Trek Bridge Commander sort of oh. game. Why is there not a Star Trek Bridge Commander-style game but in, like, a Flying Fortress? 
That's a good question, I think, yeah. Well, like people having to, uh, you've got a pilot uh, and gunners and a navigator and a radio guy and, and you know, whatnot. I'd play the hell out of that. <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Bomber Crew, it's amazing. Pick it up. Welcome to the intermission. Okay, so moving on to the news. First of all, uh, news has come out that a one-letter typo is to blame for the aliens, colonial marines, alien AI being so bad. It what an innocuous little piece of coding. Uh, someone had spelt the word tether T E A. T-H-E-R instead of T-E-T-H-E-R. Mm-hmm. And apparently this change dramatically improves the alien AI, but does not make it a good game. Still, <laughs> was about, was it's still a say. bad game, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it fixes one of the problems with that game. Um, no comment as of yet from Randy Pitchford, as far as I know. But <laughs> there are two ways of looking at this. One way of looking at it, the sensible way of looking at it, is that you know it's a, it's a simple typo. Like how many times do you make a typo in a day? Uh, and someone made one typo in a piece of code and it affected something Uh, obviously didn't get picked up in quality control or whatever Mm. these things happen the other point of view which a lot of people on twitter have taken is that oh aren't video game developers morons how could they do such a thing (laughs) Uh, and it's really disappointing to see this sort of thing go on. Yeah, like, and it's an honest mistake. Come on, it is. Of course, it is. It absolutely is. And this is definitely going to be a running theme of the news on the yes. show. In that gamers are terrible mm-hmm. um, for laying all the blame at developers, and yet not many of them have made games themselves. So you know. Yeah, I'd say 99.999 reoccurring percent of gamers know absolutely nothing about coding. Yeah. I know I know absolutely nothing about coding, but I know that I make little mistakes in my job mm-hmm. every now and then mm-hmm. um, that are easier to make. No, I'm sorry, I make mistakes in my job that, that, are, that, are, that are probably harder to make than... Um, you know a simple typo that's you know these things yeah. happen it, it just didn't get picked up until now and i don't care i don't know why anyone cares. it's alien colonial marines come on guys <laughs> oh, no. yeah and the, of course the daft thing is that how easy is that going to be the fix on a console probably not at all it's only the fact that people can then go into the any files and things on their steam versions they actually fix yeah. the small thing and you yeah. know if all these gamers were so good they would have spotted it ages ago uh i mean and this article on kataki says like by simply removing the a from the word tether the AI is transformed it will happily flank you and um disperse xeno so they aren't so grouped mm-hmm. uh, which as you imagine makes a big difference but the game is it's still alien colonial marines it's still not exactly it's not doom <laughs> um so no. But it's just, it's just disappointing. That's you know another excuse for for um, the gaming community to bash developers who already do a particularly difficult job. Yeah, it's not a secure job. There is no union for video game developers. No, and that's um, I I think that is being trying to be pushed by an awful lot of yes. um, sort of mainstream or well known developers and things trying to unionize. Yeah, uh, a lot of them would have you. There will be an awful lot of pressure um, against that mm-hmm. coming from certain development teams and things or publishers, etc. 
Well, organized labor is a, is a, is yeah. a dirty word in America. Um, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, that as well. And talking of the toxicity within the gaming community, uh, Rainbow Six Siege players um, are now getting instantly banned by Ubisoft for using particular racial slurs while playing mm-hmm. the games. And this is absolutely justified on Ubisoft's part, and it's... Um, such a good thing to be happening but there are so many people now obviously railing against it on Twitter and basically trying to um, sort of hold the hold Ubisoft and what have you try and blame them and you know saying oh we're just not going to buy your games anymore and things like that hmm. if that sort of language is part of your everyday language there are more things wrong in your culture and possibly your life um, it's whenever you've seen people on Twitter saying that, you know, they're being stopped from using their favorite words, you sort of think, really? Yeah, <laughs> really? If, if your favorite word is a racial epithet, then um, you've got problems. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. You've got problems. Um, um, I did see that, so PC Gamer reported about this. Uh, about a Rainbow Six Siege players use slurs and now getting your and then to be fair, this is them typing into chat, so it's like mm. the system automatically sees that they put that word in there, instantly banned in the middle of a match. Doesn't matter, yep. you're gone. Um, which is something that I wish other games would do. It's not so much of a problem on on console because not many console games have got keyboards, but on PC, yeah. oof. Yeah. Um, it's particularly bad in the Overwatch community, unfortunately. But uh, so PC Gamer put this post up about it because um, someone tweeted saying at Rainbow Six Game, F you guys, I just got banned for saying the N word in chat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Rainbow Six Siege Twitter <laughs> just replied, good. <laughs> <laughs> so PC Gamer tweeted about that. And then some, some guy on Twitter who said, I guess I'm not playing that shit anymore. And uh, Pal Hofstein, uh, who I understand works for Ubisoft, said, if you can't enjoy games without being racist, maybe you're not in it for the games. Yeah, Um, (laughs) this is very, very true. Yeah. And I think this kind of comes back to a certain amount of, or a certain type of person that plays games despite not necessarily liking them, Mm -hmm. um, purely because of the rest of the communities around that that they are involved in. It's a very, very strange situation, so it is. Mm. And there's definitely proponents of the sort of toxic environment that seem to be sort of pushing whatever agenda um, in this sort of area. And it's it's not good for the community. It's not good for new players coming in. It's extremely off-putting mm-hmm. um, for a lot of people as well and is pushing people away um, from bringing in sort of new life and you know new ideas and new ways of doing things, and it will stultify uh, the growth mm-hmm. um, of the games industry to an extent as well. And yeah, it, it's it stops well, at least slows any chance of video games, which monetarily is the biggest uh, entertainment business in the world. Yep, like. Um, far outstrips films in terms of like sheer revenue that it brings in mm. it's kind of slows any chance of that being accepted by the mainstream as a legitimate form of art when the people who claim to be the fans of this form of medium behave so horrifically 
Yeah. But uh, yeah, more on that in a bit. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because speaking of ArenaNet, uh, the scandal has, I don't think we've spoken about this before. Maybe, we haven't as yet. It broke no. maybe about a week ago. Yeah. Um, and it won't go away. No. Um, so ArenaNet are the Guild Wars 2 um, developers. Mm-hmm. And um, one of their uh, narrative designers, Jessica Price, who um, understands to be working there for quite a while um and if, certainly certainly working in the industry for at least a decade or so if yeah not, yeah it's primarily on guild wars um for that decade and is known for being quite uh blunt on twitter mm-hmm. like very uh upfront with her opinions um not rude but <laughs> you know not particularly subtle so she was making a point about how difficult it is to write characters in an mmo Mm-hmm. And a prominent Guild Wars 2 YouTuber, um, whose name I can't pronounce, Deroyer, yeah, something like that. Something who, like that. Who is a properly partnered yeah. um, Twitch or YouTuber um, with mm-hmm. uh, ArenaNet as well. Yeah. So uh, he chimed in and said, "Good, you know, but, but it was it was kind of civil, but kind of still unsolicited." It was like uh, it, it, it basically I, it basically amounted to, "It's not that hard. Just do branching dialogue." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it was like uh, you make a good point. I disagree. Here's how to do it, and it's like he he displayed he 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 put it across. He didn't. He wasn't rude in terms of the language he used, but it was like she knows what she's doing. You're just a gamer. Um, your opinion is not warranted, not yeah. wanted. And Jessica Price's response was, it, I think it was it was blunt but appropriate. <laughs> she called them a rando asshat. Yeah. <laughs> or anybody Which, who decided to jump into his mentions. Yes. Mentions. Yeah. Today in be- she said, in today in being a female game dev, quote, allow me, a person who does not work with you, uh, to explain to you how to do your job. Uh, she mm-hmm. tweeted saying that she'd insta-block the next rando asshat who tried to do the same. One of her colleagues, uh, Peter Freeze, kind of defended her uh, a bit on Twitter because the there was a bit of a backlash from the Guild Wars 2 community mm-hmm. because I don't understand what this happens. They will always defend some, some content creator. What do they call them? Um, EA's got a really slimy word for them. <laughs> for their for their YouTube partners, um, oh, I've no idea what it I is. can't remember what it is. I've I've blocked it out of my mind. Uh, they always defend those and them and don't defend the actual devs who are building the actual game. Yeah. So they got some backlash, and Arena's net Arena Net's answer was um, they basically fired them without any decent reasoning or anything like that. You know, there yeah. wasn't even, as I said, the person who jumped into Jessica's mentions. The whole thing could have been handled internally and handled mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. And again, it was on Jessica's personal Twitter account. You yeah. Know, and she was off the clock and everything and was just sort of providing some information to that would be to the benefit of other developers or anybody aspiring to get into the industry. Yeah, all it would have taken was someone to pull her into an office and say... You know, um, next time something like this happens, you know, just don't get involved or don't be, don't respond to it in this particular yeah. way or whatever. 
But also but, pulling that influencer streamer, um, you know, into the same office and going, yes, yeah, don't do that either. <laughs> you know, yeah, these are the developers. You know, they have experience in this sort of thing. They know what they're talking about. You don't walk into Michelle Rue Junior's kitchen and tell him how to boil a potato. No, not unless you want to get punched. <laughs> <laughs> Or at least a Albert Rooster potato thrown at you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the whole thing is just really disappointing. Like, I, I, I almost want to believe that there's something else to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that ArenaNet decided that the best way for them to protect a, a prominent YouTuber, or well, prominent, I've never heard of him. No. Um, that doesn't say much, to be honest. I didn't really pay that much attention to that <laughs> stuff. But well, like it's a, an influencer, that's the word. That's what EA yeah, called influencers. Yeah, that the, the Arena Net's response to defend an influencer. I, I don't even know if he was even asking for this or whether it was just the rest of the community. Mm. Is to fire two experienced narrative designers. Yeah, and from what I've seen, an awful lot of people have said that it certainly comes across as. You know, highly misogynistic as well. Mm-hmm. The fact that if Jessica had been a man, said exactly the same thing, it probably would have been brushed off um, as just that person. That's just the way they are, sort of thing. I've actually seen worse on Twitter now that other women working in other development teams are having their companies being harassed to get rid of them out of their jobs mm-hmm. purely because they're women in those jobs and. You know, whenever you get down to that stage, um, there's been like form letters and things, and these actually went to the companies. And in the bit where it should then list the person's name that they're trying to get rid of, um, it basically just said percentage name, like first name or whatever. And you know, they're obviously using templates and things as a concerted harassment campaign mm-hmm. to try and take people out of employment. For goodness' sake, you know, people who have experience in these, and it comes down to the whole Gamergate thing as well. And it, it absolutely is because it, it, it is just women who have an, an opinion on the internet. It's just that they cannot stand women who have a, a strong opinion on the internet because yep. like uh, the example I gave uh, about the, the Rainbow Six thing that uh, is Pale Hofstein, apologies for mispronouncing his name, like goes on a whole tirade calling somebody out saying if you can't enjoy games without being racist maybe you're not actually in it for games. Um there are folks who identify with gaming culture despite being wholly negative about all aspects of the medium who are in gaming spaces for completely other reasons. They don't like most games, devs, publishers, or journalists and will happily let you know this. They exclude most actual gamers. You almost never hear them talk about actually having fun and playing games. It goes on and on. It's like a whole multi-tweet tirade against um, the sort of gamers that were affected by this Rainbow Six thing. But because he's a dude, there's not been that much backlash. Yeah. Pretty much. If he'd been a female developer, oh, God, I cannot imagine. Yeah. And, you know, again, just the misogyny within the uh, the games industry and what have you, even within it, it itself and the, the small indie developers and things. There was another tweet came out uh, not long after the ArenaNet thing on a completely different subject. Um, I think it was somebody retweeted uh, like a news source saying, you know, that the top 50 companies or whatever in Germany mm-hmm. um, all have male CEOs. Um, so this woman from a different development team, what have you, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, basically said, you know, that, you know, businesses need to do better to put women in CEO places. And yep. basically the developer of Hero Siege came back saying, maybe they're not skilled enough. 
and then he started Ooh. digging a deeper hole oh. and it basically came down to you know huge amounts of just different things and he just kept digging and digging and just awful uh, so does that it has um it's really not been a good week for powerful men in tech saying silly things on twitter Does <laughs> it elon musk no yes yes especially with people with the surname <laughs> musk yeah. Um, but yeah, no, just the, even, you know, and it's not just video games at the minute either, which is even more disappointing. The news of the new She-Ra uh, oh my God. cartoon series like, coming out with a newly designed She-Ra and oh, so many comic nerds, our 80s kids and what have you saying, oh, but she's not sexy enough, stop it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. she looks the way a normal person could and should look there's no good reason why she has to be sexy just for you stop it yeah there is no good reason um for an awful lot of this backlash it's people complaining about oh but you're wrecking the things i used to love really did you sit and watch she-ra during the 80s really oh it's just daft and everything has to be seen through the male gaze yeah and it's it's just no good for everybody i mean this this sort of thing probably went on a lot longer but i kind of noticed it in films and games after two specific moments in films it became acceptable for there to be widespread public backlash rightly or wrongly uh, i'm not going to judge i mean i uh, you know whatever uh, uh, rightly or wrongly push back against george lucas mm-hmm. as an example for making changes to the Star Wars and then the prequels and then doing messing around with Indiana Jones and whatnot. Um, yeah. They kind of took ownership of that franchise mm-hmm. when it isn't theirs. It's a business. Come on, guys. It's a business. Yeah, of course it is. <laughs> uh, and so now they're uh, almost, it almost seems like emboldened by that. Yep. Star Wars fans, specifically Star Wars fans, it happens in other things as well, mm-hmm. um, but specifically Star Wars fans, feel they are perfectly entitled to go and attack uh, Ryan Johnson and especially Kathleen Kennedy mm-hmm. and demand that they have their Star Wars given back uh, and whatnot. And on the video game side, I feel like it was the um, Mass Effect 3 mm-hmm. issue when the ending was confused, sure, but it was the it was the ending that those creators had decided to go with. It was their story. Yeah, that's the ending they told. If you were disappointed by the end of the story, you know sometimes this happens in in fiction. Uh, but they kicked up such a stink that Bioware went back and changed aspects of the ending and put out a new revised ending because mm-hmm. there was so much pushback from the gaming community. And it's like. The gaming community should never have that much power over no. the narrative direction that storytellers decide to take their stories in. And ever since then, I, it feels like that and then the, the Gamergate issue has just meant that a large sector of gamers feel like they're emboldened. Um, mm-hmm. They feel like that if they group together, if they push back hard enough, they can get what they want. And it started out with changing stories. And then it swiftly moves on to, we don't like women's in video games. And it's really disappointing. By not having women in video games, it's limiting what video games can be. I follow so many excellent women on Twitter, you know, journalists, developers. And whenever I say developers, that's a catch-all mm-hmm. um, 
sort of phrase because that includes artists, it includes writers, it includes um, you know coders, it includes you know people doing quality um, assurance and things like that. It includes everybody who ever works on a game, mm. and without those people, those games wouldn't be the games that they are, and it would be a huge loss. Uh, to games and the gaming community in general if those people walked away and people have walked away because of this you know you only have to look at um, people like zoe quinn who's still soldiering on is still being asked about gamergate four years later um, and has actually said up on twitter that you know four years that's it i'm done i'm not going to talk about it any longer and yes it is still there but my part of it is done. It's just a terrible thing to see. And people like um, Anita Sarkeesian um, has a particular style of delivery and a particular style of making arguments, which doesn't suit everyone. But she's not trying to take games away from people. She's not trying to ruin games for anyone. She wants games to be better. Mm. And her legitimate criticisms of video games get lost in just a sea of like if you searched anita sarkeesian <laughs> on youtube now uh, how I, I imagine it'd be really difficult to find one of her videos amongst the sea of people making you know endless diatribes against anita sarkeesian yeah absolutely and you just have to sit and listen to some of these people as well, you know, for 30 seconds mm-hmm. to realize that they are absolute idiots. Yep. <laughs> you know? There is no good reason or logic behind any of their arguments. And again, it's something that is spilling over into other media and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's always kind of been there in the fringes in film and, oh God, science fiction fandom. Like mm-hmm. there are areas of that that are just, so toxic and we to go near it but because gamers are, are so intimately um entwined with the interwebs yeah they can use the internet to be horrible <laughs> with yeah. more efficiently than fans of other medium i think pull out uh, your fridge or your washing machine or whatever and yeah it's the dark corners where the mold likes to grow mm-hmm. <laughs> is basically what it comes down to yeah and you know i was you know, for people who listen to the show, I went to Eurovision um, earlier this year. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a great time. There was a great atmosphere and everything. Mm. I come back and about two weeks later, um, I'm just sort of flicking through some videos on Twitter. And one comes up basically is a guy who sat and watched the video of the of Neda who won um, for Israel and just mm. sat and watched her video and just critiqued it. And one of his critiques of the um, the actual song, uh, which is sort of a comment on the Me Too movement, mm. was that there shouldn't be any political statements in Eurovision. And I'm thinking to myself, you're really not a fan of Eurovision, are you? No. Embolden the masses and we get this sort of thing. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Puts people like that in charge and it makes it easier for everybody to be like that. Yes. Yes, unfortunately. Yeah. Should we move on to something a little bit more cheerful? Yes, please. Okay. Uh, did you ever play the Commandos games? I loved them, but they were stupidly hard. 
They were. Do you miss them, though? Uh, it's not that I necessarily miss them. I have them within fairly easy reach. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I guess. Well, we haven't had a proper Commandos game since what, 2005, I think, was the last one. Uh, that would have been sort of the uh, the more 3D um, Commandos 3. Um, yeah, it's been more than a decade since uh, Commandos. Now, I understand that the studio that was responsible for those is, does still exist, but for whatever reason, they hadn't made them. Calypso, the uh, I think they're Hungarian developers of the tropico games which are fantastic um sort of rts dictatorship games they've picked up the entire commandos ip which is good like i i like seeing like old beloved franchises revived Mm -hmm. uh and calypso are very good developers they make very good games and i trust them to make a good uh commandos game like obviously they've only just picked it up so anything will be a long way away but yeah uh Last Thursday of time of recording, it was announced that uh, Eclipso had acquired uh, the the complete Commandos IP from Pyro Studios, mm-hmm. um, which gives them rights not only to the current Arco Commander games, but future releases too. So maybe we'll get some re-releases of, of, of classic Commandos games, as well as some new ones. But it's just, I like this sort of thing. It's, it's nice to see this, like uh, an old franchise just doesn't die, <laughs> still going. Yeah, I'd still love to see Lemmings come back in some shape or form. Yep. Um, but yeah, as for the Commandos games, you can pick them up on GOG, um, usually in the sales. Actually, you can get all, what, three of them mm-hmm. um, for, I think, less than a fiver. <laughs> it's probably closer to £3 yeah. um, whenever they're up on sale, and they are thoroughly enjoyable. Very, very difficult. Oh, they're um, brutal. But very, very clever strategy yeah. games. Yeah, absolutely. Check them out. If you're, if you're, they're not like, it's not turn-based really, is it? No, it's everything is like on a loop or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's all real time. Um, mm-hmm. So it's trying to avoid uh, the sort of visual cones and things um, of the enemy and sort of uh, finding little hiding places and things. Yeah. So if you if you fancy a tactical game but want something a little bit more intense than your usual turn based tactical game, then uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely worth checking those out. Uh, and maybe we'll get a new one in the future. Yeah, fingers crossed. Thank you. It'd be interesting to see what direction they do with it. Yeah. Okay, so just a quick content update. Uh, What we got coming up in the near future, Stu? Um, I have at least two interviews currently on the cards. Um, one possibly to do, well, more than likely to do with sort of an esports. Uh, so I'm hopefully going to do like an esports 101 um, with a. Uh, team manager um, as such from Northern Ireland Um, so hopefully we'll do a little bit of the background of esports itself um, a little bit of what the current scene is like and then a little bit of what it's like to actually manage a team and the amount of work and what have you that actually goes into um, being a good uh, team in esports we also have a an interview lined up with Chronic Spartan uh, who's the developer behind Glow and his new uh, game that he's working on is Jim Empire which is looking very good and I think will be out possibly later on this year uh, but we'll get more information from that whenever we do interview anything on the website uh, it's or? been fairly quiet unfortunately um, I've just been busy and haven't been able to motivate myself to get back to my monthly mobile mm. uh, reviews and things I'm, I'll try and get back to those because uh, I did kind of enjoy writing them uh, but it's trying to pick games that are good and not just me making <laughs> trying to fit games into the lyrics uh, of songs <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, I haven't posted anything on the website for far too long, uh, but now I've actually gotten back into the flow of finishing games. I'm going to try and get some more reviews put up. Finally, they might not be necessarily for games that are very current, but, you know, whatever. Over on the YouTube, we've uh, what we had recently, Vampire, Nino Kuni 2, mm. uh, and Overwatch. Yep. Um, at some point, hopefully in the not too distant future, we should have a video on Burnout Paradise. It was supposed to go up today as a day of recording, but was um, content uh, copyright uh, struck or whatever. A copyright claim was filed against it um, for a song that isn't in the video. Um, which is interesting. <laughs> I got an email saying uh, it's been blocked because you used Crosstown Traffic by Jimi Hendrix in uh, this video about Burnout Paradise, which would have been very appropriate. And in <laughs> retrospect, I kind of wish I had, because <laughs> not only is it a great song, but it would have fit nicely. But uh, I didn't. I didn't use it in there, and it's not actually in the soundtrack to Burnout Paradise, so no idea how that happened. But <laughs> hopefully when the 30 days are up, then that video will go live again. Uh, yeah. But uh, later this week, so by the time this episode comes out, I should have a quick look up on the YouTube of um, Bomber Crew. Yeah. So check it out, because it's it's easier to explain when you can see it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's definitely one of those sort of games, yeah. yeah. Okay, if you want to get in contact with us, you can get us on Twitter, at LapsGamer. You can email us at LapsGamerRadio at gmail.com. You can find the website at LapsGamer, just LapsGamer.com. Uh, yeah, go look up our YouTube, like, subscribe, do whatever special rain dances or something sacrifice something to the gods um yeah go check us out and get in contact send a carrier pigeon there is there is there is a homing pigeon you can get an upgrade homing pigeon for your plane in bomber crew and then later on you can buy a helmet for it Uh, so it's a homing pigeon on your plane (laughs) with a helmet and it's the cutest thing uh yeah (laughs) i'm now picturing that and yes that does sound very very cute (laughs) Uh, so yeah, get in contact with us, please. Yeah, we know you listen. At least yeah. five of you do. Mm. <laughs> send us some, send us some questions in. Send us some thoughts in because we only ever get emails from from Colm. Um, <laughs> uh, they are lovely emails. Though. They are. They are. Yeah. Sometimes he forgets what he's talking about halfway through the email. Uh, <laughs> and I found out recently that um, he has, on at least one occasion started recording uh, the intro to a last save loaded podcast by saying uh, hello and welcome to laps gamer radio <laughs> so <laughs> well that's it for another episode of laps gamer radio you will be back again in a couple of weeks with an interview um hopefully yes hopefully an interview if not then some of the gump like you will hear our voices again in a couple of weeks but uh thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time goodbye sayonara